0: that's the case, I'm just going to do what I always, uh, all of us should do when we're going into God's word, and that's trusting the Holy Spirit to not only interpret and explain God's word to us, but then to apply it to our hearts. And so with that, let's, uh, why don't we bow for a moment, and let's surrender our hearts to him. Let's acknowledge, I want to give you the opportunity to say it with your own words, to acknowledge that Uh, God is here among his people. That the word we're about to, to study and read is not our own. It's not the words of men, but this is the word of God. That we are his servants as well as his children. And that our ears and hearts and minds are open. Yes, Father, we are grateful that we have the right to be called children of God. And that's not because of anything that we have earned. It's not because of anything that we have deserved. But it is because of your son, Jesus. He has done it all. It is he who has chased after us It is He who has brought us into the family of God. And we put our faith in Him. Today, as we hear Your Word, we want this resounding response from our own lives to be, I believe You. I trust You. I put my confidence in You. Lord, there is no other who deserves the worship that we bring. No other who deserves for us to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and to follow after you. You are the one who deserves this. You are worthy of this. And let our hearing and our obeying be just one more step, one more opportunity to pick up our cross and follow you. And we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen. So friends, you know, the the world has dramatically changed since some 26 weeks ago, some 25 weeks ago, depending on when stuff really started to hit your family. Since the coronavirus outbreak has markedly changed our lives, our routines, you know, the world has become a different place. And, you know, there's new fears, there's new tensions, new Worries, new concerns that have touched our lives. And during that time, you know, children have been born, and birthdays have been celebrated, and people have even gotten married. And certainly, yes, people have even died. And in this new normal, you know, my family has at least two things to celebrate. You know, first, I just, you know, I just really appreciate that the traffic on the highways and the byways is so much better than it used to be. I do a lot of driving around the city, and there were times when I've said, I think I went through every construction zone in one day in Chicagoland. And that's not a good day. So I'm grateful for the better traffic. But you know what the second thing is that coronavirus has brought, and it's been a tremendous blessing, All this time being a family together, sharing meals together, having lots of hours together, has resulted in us also spending more time and more consistency reading God's Word together. Let me explain. You know, ever since Gloria and I were married 25 years ago, we have struggled to have regular family devotions and quiet time. And In fact, I could probably count it on one hand how many days in a row we were able to do it without violating it, without breaking it. But as a result of the time we've had with coronavirus, we have made it such a normal part of our family's evening routine that we just stop counting. In fact, it's unusual if we don't do it. And then if we don't do it, the next day we double it up and we catch up. And yes, even pastors have a hard time leading their families well, being spiritual leaders in their own homes. But it's from the overflow of one of these family devotions that I'm sharing today's message. You know, some time ago, we as a family read from Mark chapter 1 and And I was reintroduced to one of my favorite passages in the scriptures. One of my favorite encounters that Jesus has with people. So in verse 38, as we read, Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cured. You know, in reading this record of Jesus' encounter with a man with leprosy, I am reminded of at least one of the many reasons I am personally drawn to Jesus, and that's and it's why I'm still drawn to Him today. Why, on the day of my salvation, it, I was like drawn, drawn like a like with like a magnetic force. And it's that Jesus is Emmanuel; He is God with us. Isaiah seven fourteen. Isaiah prophesies, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Similarly, the Apostle John is clear on the same note that Jesus is God in the flesh. In one of his gospel. He says, "In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God." And then down in 14, he says, "The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us." Jesus, the word from the beginning, the word who was with God, who was God, became flesh. The incarnation. He who dwelled since eternity past with his heavenly Father has now put on flesh, and he dwells among us. Jesus, who is God, has drawn near to me, and he's drawn near to you. This truth is what urges me to also move closer to Jesus. Jesus. That the holy and perfect Son of God would have anything to do with sin-saturated people like me. With ugly people like me. And what do we observe in today's text about how Jesus came near to his broken creation? How did he do it? Before we look at that, I want to look at Jesus in just a couple of verses earlier. Let's go back to verse 33 and 34. And it says that the whole town had gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out many demons. And this is right after Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. Remember, she had a fever. Immediately she's cured, and she gets up and starts waiting on her guests. And the news spreads, and people are clamoring around the door. And Jesus performs many miracles. He heals many diseases. He casts out many demons. So in verse 38, where our focus begins, Jesus replies, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I've come. See, there are others that Jesus must go to. He already had a successful ministry. There were many lives being touched and transformed. You know, if I was a pastor, if I was Jesus, and my ministry was going that well, where people were hanging out at my front door, couldn't wait to see me, couldn't wait to hear from me, I don't think I would leave. Why mess with with success? But Jesus says, There are more people whose lives must be touched. So he says, let's go somewhere else. Then while he was preaching and driving out demons, a man with leprosy came to him. You know, leprosy is a disease that is referenced in various ways in the Bible on up to 83 occasions. Leprosy might include any number of health conditions that usually manifest visibly on people's skin. Rashes, scars, eczema, dryness, discolorations, and other things far more serious. I mean, do these sound like any conditions that we might already have ourselves? You might be considered a leper. But these diseases could cause disfiguration of the body and even death. And because of time limits, I'm not going to spend 10 or 15 minutes trying to explain all that there is about leprosy. So I want to encourage you to go to Google. I don't know, maybe there aren't too many pastors include go- who encourage Googling, but just Google leprosy in the Bible. And you'll see more than enough articles to make you practically an expert on the subject. But why is this particular ailment referenced so frequently? Up to 83 times in the Bible. You know, as a disease that's so closely associated with decay, with uncleanliness, with alienation, with death, leprosy is a powerful illustration of what sin does. The disastrous consequences of sin on people as it causes this decay, uncleanliness, alienation, and even death. You know, it was so concerning. Leprosy was so concerning to the community that lepers were forced to live outside the community. They couldn't be in populated areas. They had the responsibility of self-quarantine. And they had to sound the warning to the unsuspecting public that they were unclean, that they were lepers, shouting, shouting, to passerbys, unclean, unclean. In other words, watch out, stay away. That's both because of people's dreaded fear of contracting this disease, but also because God demands in the community, in the congregation, and in the person, holiness and cleanliness. But even with generations of deeply embedded and exacting customs and fears and all the stigma that's attached to it, all the ritual behaviors surrounding cleanliness, this leper seems to be in no way deterred from coming near to Jesus. Instead of avoiding Jesus and his entourage, instead of sounding the alarm to stay away, this leper approaches Jesus on his knees and begs, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You know, if at this point Jesus had responded by backing up, stepping away, retreating, no one would have blamed him. No one would have said to him, Jesus, how could you be so lacking in compassion? How could you discriminate against this man? No one would have blamed him. In fact, the law of Moses says what he should have done was get as far away as possible. That he should have left the scene. Instead, and certainly to any onlookers, shock and horror, Jesus, filled with compassion, reaches out his hand and touches the leper. I'm willing, he says, be clean, and immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. What do we observe about Jesus and Mark's testimony of this episode? Because Mark, like all the gospel writers, wants to introduce us to Jesus, to make him known, to reveal him, so that in knowing him, we would believe and have new life. What does he show us? First, we are immediately faced with Jesus' power to heal. In the first century, leprosy was incurable. But Jesus immediately heals this man of something that cannot be cured. The leper is cleansed, and the disease and the stigma along with it is gone. If we notice nothing more than that Jesus is powerful to heal, we've, we've noticed more than enough. More than enough. Jesus is mighty to save. He is able to deliver us. Emmanuel, God with us is able to make unclean people clean. But what else does Mark show us? What does he show us? Second, we observe that Jesus is willing. He wants to heal us. He wants to make us clean. He wants to rescue people. Jesus desires to save us. The leper came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And what does he say? I am willing. I want to. I want this for you. Jesus didn't need to be persuaded. He didn't need to be prodded and begged. He is Emmanuel, and he wants to save this leper. He doesn't need to be coaxed from us. Please, Lord, would you save me from my sin? He wants to do it. Do you get it? Jesus wants to save us. The God who is with us both is able to save us, and he wants to save us. Is there more? I hope so, otherwise, it's going to be a really short message. So, third, Jesus does not see me, and he doesn't look at you and say, You're my next project. We are not his projects. We are not on his to do list. Ah, okay, it's Sunday morning. This is what I got to do. I got to show up at Mike's house, got to save him today. We are not projects him. We all know that he wants intimacy with us. He wants a relationship with us. We all know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And how did he do it? Did God, you know, I had this uh, Sunday school teacher, I'm, I'm trying to remember this from my childhood memories. It was either Sunday school or vacation Bible school. And this very charismatic teacher was trying to help us understand how God created the heavens and the earth and just illustrating it for us, right? And so he bends over and he and he, and he acts like he's picking up a dirt or dust. He says, And God created the heavens and the earth. Like he was packing dust and throwing it out into Nothing and it all exploded into all we see here in the sky with stars and the, the universe. And while that's a beautiful way to explain it, that's not how it happened, is it? How did he create the heavens and the earth? He spoke it, right? He didn't even have to lift a finger. He just said it and it was. He made lots of somethings out of nothing. That is our God. By his word, God made all that we know. Did the God who created everything by his mere speech need to lift a finger to heal this leper? Let alone did God need to touch this unclean, decaying leper? But Jesus, who could have successfully saved the leper from a great distance, even from across the universe or across the field or down the road, he could have done it with a simple whisper. I'm willing. Be healed. Be clean. And it would have been enough. He could have picked up a six-foot-long stick and touched him. Maintaining social distance. I am willing. But he didn't do it that way, right? Rather, Mark tells us that he was filled with compassion and Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. Can you imagine the shock and the scandal, the public outrage, and not just the shock of the disciples and the teachers of the law who are always hanging around, never too far away? or even the crowds and the bystanders murmuring, how could Jesus touch him? Doesn't he know who he's dealing with? It's a leper! Not those people. But how about the leper himself? When he felt even the softest pressure of Jesus' touch, can you imagine the waves of shock that went through his body? What's he doing? No, you don't have to do that, Jesus. It's not necessary. And then, oh, Oh, he couldn't remember. Probably couldn't remember the last time a friend shook his hand. Probably couldn't remember the last time he embraced his wife and his children. The last time the priest even put his hands on him to bless him. But he'd never forget the touch of Jesus, would he? Hmm. Hmm. I, I, I wonder if his natural inclination wouldn't have been to just jerk away even. because like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. I don't know if it was me. I, couldn't, I don't think I'd be able to help but lean in. But yes, please, I, I need more of that. It's been so long since I've had the touch of loving kindness, of compassion. Jesus, who is God with us, Emmanuel, the Word in the flesh. What does it mean that he dwelt among us? Did he live in a big mansion on a hill in a gated community, only to come out every once in a while when it was a special day, a holy day, a scheduled day? Did he keep audience with only the most powerful, most influential, those who were the most popular or wealthy, high esteem? Did Jesus dwell among us, but always concerned that he might get the cooties from us, contaminated by uh, the filth of our sin, the grime of this fallen and broken world? Did he have sanitizer always nearby? Did Jesus dwell with us during the day? Did he drive in in the morning only to hurry back to heaven and the evening so he could take a long shower to get our stink off of him? Is that how Jesus did it? Is that how he drew near? No. He dwelt among us. He resided with us. He made our address his address. Planet Earth became his home. And he did more than what was necessary to heal because we are not his projects. We are the objects of his love and affection. Hear that again. We are the objects of his love and affection and not his projects. He got down to our level, into the sewers of our polluted lives because Jesus Cares about people. Jesus loves people. Jesus cares and loves me and you. The world's response to coronavirus had forced almost everyone into self quarantine. Like the leper, sin isolates us from God, but it also separates us from other people too. We, may, we wear these masks in public. And it's our way of announcing to the world, unclean, unclean! Whether it's me or it's you. Whether it's me saying, stay far away because you've got it. Or it's stay away from me because I've got it. Or we don't know who's got it, so stay clear. You know, the other day I was driving by the uh, hospital and there was a sign out there and it said, heroes work here. Heroes work. Work here. And please, if you're one of those heroes, don't take offense to this, okay? But folks, those heroes are well-paid heroes, aren't they? And these heroes, when we go to see them, what do they do? They put their PPEs on. They make sure that they don't get too intimate with us. They're not interested in a relationship with us. Yes, they're there to help us, to serve us, but keep your distance. That's not our God. That's not Emmanuel. He didn't put on a PPE to to keep the world far from him. He entered the world and he dwelt among us. This Jesus, he doesn't fear infection. He's a great physician who desires intimacy with us. Those who are dying, who are decaying in sin. He wants to be close to those who've been far away, And while the unclean make the clean into unclean, the perfect purity of Jesus makes the unclean clean. Instead of being contaminated by sin, he cleanses sin. Jesus doesn't fear infection. Infection makes the clean into unclean, but the holiness of Jesus makes the impure into pure. Do you have fears or do you have worries, sorrows, brokenness? I want to encourage you. Whatever whatever burden you have, whatever leprosy you have, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Because he is able to save, he wants to save, and he wants to love us. He wants us in a relationship with him. He doesn't want us to go away so that he can retreat. But he wants to live with us. And what what an amazing truth that Paul shares with the church. That the Holy Spirit has made our bodies His temple, His place of residence. Can you get any more intimate than that? He dwells in us. And do you think that the Savior who lavishes on lepers the touch of His holy hands would ever hold back His indwelling presence from us? No way. We are his children, called by his name. So come to Jesus with all your troubles, all your worries, all your sorrows, all your shame. Jesus is willing. He wants to save us. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Let's close our eyes and Let's tell him. Let's confess to him. Jesus, I know you are able to save me. I know that whatever this problem is, you name it, put it before the Lord. Is it a broken relationship? Is it financial troubles? Is it your health? Is it loneliness? Shame? What is it? worry would you confess to him Jesus I know you can handle this and I know you want to handle this so would you surrender it to him Yes, God, we are so thankful that you are not a God who is far away. You're not a God who's keeping his distance. But Jesus himself says to us that we can call you Abba, Father. We can go to you as a child goes to their daddy Lord, thank you for drawing near to us. Thank you for pulling us near to you. And thank you, God, that your desire is to not just leave us be. But Lord, like a good parent, you want the very best for us. You want to take care of of our needs. You want to make sure that all of our problems are handled. God, whatever it is that we're afraid to release to you, we want to confess it to you now. Whatever sin it is that we have not confessed to you, we admit it now because we know you can handle it. You can do something about it. And we thank you for the cross of Jesus. Where our Savior, your Son, the spotless Lamb of God, took the sins of the world and died. And that he rose again victorious on the third day, proving that he has power to conquer sin and death. And then we claim His promise, we believe His promise that we will live because we have believed in Him. Lord, thank You for the new life that You promise. Thank You for the better way that Jesus offers. Thank You That he makes all things new. And we want to be new. Lord, we surrender to you. We believe your word. We believe in Jesus. And it's in his most glorious name we pray. Amen.